0: hey good morning church good morning. you guys doing well yes. hey if you're new to grace church a special welcome to you but welcome to all of you I hope you feel at home today not only with the grace church family but in the presence of god can we just say thank you to our worship team this morning They're just doing a great job love you guys talented and anointed aren't you thankful for both um so, uh, we are in a series called Grace, right? And um, it's, a, it's a discovery again. Man, I, are you thankful for last week's message? I mean, Pastor Ray just really hit, in my opinion, a really a good home run, right, <clears throat> message to launch us into a beautiful series to say, what does the grace of God actually mean? And so, we're going to have some fun unpacking a few more um, concepts for you today. So I've entitled today's message, Is God Angry? Because that's a little bit of an opposite of a grace-based God, isn't it? So we're going to talk about a grace-based God view and, and talk about God's nature in such a way that might, um, maybe for some of you, be a little new. Maybe for some of you, it just brings a balance. And for some of you, um, it's, it's just the norm, you know, because I don't know about you, but I was not introduced to a grace-based gospel growing up. I was introduced to a God, but more of a God who was a little bit, how should we say, um, stoic would be a good place to start, stern and a little bit irritated, waiting for you to mess up, and certainly a God that knew how to get angry. Why did I think that? It's because the people representing God to me had that aura. Let me pause right there and say, how we view God and how we think that God views us is typically how then we treat others. Did you know that? It's so true, right? And so then it's no... It's no um, Surprised then that I grew up thinking uh, God's a pretty mad God. Just don't, just try not to tick him off, right? And and so I realized later on in life that's really not His nature. Um, have you asked these questions before? Am I? I'm wondering if I'm alone. Raise your hand if you ever thought God's mad or angry or just lacks love, right? Is He full of wrath? Can you see a God full of wrath? Does He take revenge? Or is he indeed gracious, like some scriptures say, and does he like to punish us to make sure we do what's right and, and fear him properly, right? And so he likes to make sure he holds a stick over our head. <clears throat> is the God of the Old Testament the same God of the New Testament? Come on, somebody, right? You ever see the disparity going, wow, I, got I, I need some more scripture to inter- interpret scripture. Why do I like Jesus? And I read a lot of people who are still like this today. I like Jesus, Right? But I don't know about Father God, right? And so there seems to be the disparity even in the Trinity, like like Jesus rescued us from God's nature or something like that. And I can tell you that's not quite the truth. And so we're still trying to relate. So I don't know where you were on um, September 11th in the year of our Lord, 2001. Come on, some of you are old enough to remember that. Um, telling you my age just a little bit, right? So it was—it's now uh, going down in history as as 9/11. But it seemed like the whole world stopped that day. I don't know where you were, but where I was, I was working in production management at the time. We just stopped, and no one could really work. We just found a TV, and we were trying to figure out what was going on if we're under attack. But that's when—that's um, when the two tallest buildings in New York City, the Twin Towers, collapsed, and the Pentagon was hit pretty hard and severely damaged after passenger planes. They hijacked, uh, hijacked by terrorists, right, were flown into these buildings. And later on, another hijacked airplane crash landed in western Pennsylvania, right, which was believed to be headed toward the White House. So in a matter of hours, right, um, nearly 3,000 people were killed that day on our soil in New York City. It was surreal. It was devastating, even confusing, right? But this is what confused me more. I don't want to know if you can relate to this. This is what confused me more after the fact. When people got on national television, prominent religious leaders of our day, some that I still admire to this day, um, and especially admired then, they got on national television saying this, this is God's wrath, poured out on America because of the sins of this nation. This is God's judgment, it's God's anger, and it's his way of bringing us to repentance. Now, I don't know about you and how you felt when you heard that, if you heard that, if you were paying attention to the religious um, talking heads of the day. But I was disturbed because I was like, if that's what God is like, as if he doesn't know who his real enemies are, and he picks just 3,000 random people. And of course, the terrorists themselves got killed when they flew their planes into the buildings but this is the kind of God that I serve. He picks 3,000 random people and kills them to make a point, right? As if to say, God's behind terrorism or allowing it to happen. And I was a little disturbed on many fronts. Why? Because from that day to this day, and I want to I read you something that I really felt strongly this, this week. And maybe this will turn into a prophetic declaration because I want to read it right like I felt God gave it to me. I, I've been disturbed On a few levels. Now, there is a wrath of God, and I want to talk about God's anger in a certain way today, but I want to tell you that I was disturbed because it really seemed like some people were overjoyed that God was finally punishing this nation, delighting in the fact that we were getting what we so deserve, right? And I've thought about that many, many times since then, and that's been many, many years ago. But I, let me just say this before I move on and get into what else God, what I believe, God has for us today, that if it is that if it was indeed God's punishment to America, I think He needs to apologize for not punishing a lot of other nations along the way as well. Amen. Somebody, because you know what sells books? God's punishment on America. Oh, there's other nations that have been, and don't get me wrong. I'm on a soapbox, as you can tell. I'm just going to preach here for a while, right off the notes. I mean, right, I mean, away from my notes. Is that okay? Because, don't get me wrong, we live in one of the most corrupt nations that exist on this planet right now. And if you don't think so, you're already deceived. But so are all the other governments. And if you don't think that's true, you're also deceived. There is so much corruption on this planet where humans are being human and where people are not following God, including the U.S. of A, that if God says, well, I really care about punishing America. I don't so much care about punishing Norway or the corrupt nation of Israel or the corrupt nation of, you know, and maybe I stepped on your favorite nation's toes. I apologize. But nation after nation after nation The governments are right now, as we live and breathe, completely corrupt. Maybe even worse than the Roman government. I don't know. Maybe maybe we're not quite there yet. Right? And so I'm saying, what is God's wrath for real? And let's not just say something and agree with the talking heads of the day just because it sells a lot of books. But let's take a look at the angry God that we've been given in some cultures. Come on. I don't know what channels you listen to don't what prophets that you follow, but um, I I can tell I'm already causing some of you to uh, gasp for air. But um, let let me just just go there, all right? And then I want to talk about the grace of God, but I want to also explain what I believe is God's anger and is God's wrath so we can understand God's nature. Y'all still okay? Many people this is what I believe I wrote I want to write I'm going to read this to you like I wrote it this week and I believe it came from Holy Spirit. Many people don't consider the spirit that they're participating in day to day, moment by moment because they live reactionary not led by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, the focus is on railing against the culture instead of influencing culture. Come on, somebody. Jesus is still able to save and deliver if that's what people actually wanted or expected. And I'm gonna add or prayed for, right? Wanted or expected. They might want it for themselves, but there's fewer people that want it for all others. We are a land filled with rebellious prophets like Jonah. Let me explain that. I thought about that all week long. We're a land filled with rebellious prophets like the prophet Jonah, who wanted God's wrath and judgment and retaliation, and he wanted a God of punishment. We have a deficit of people willing to speak life over the nations, speak life over the cultures, and speak life over people who are far from God. Now, let me go back to Jonah real quick. The reason I believe that the Holy Spirit had me thinking about that story all week long is because he was was not a unique person. He's very much like people I meet today and very much like some prominent religious leaders I meet in our day. And they they would delight in the destruction of people that we think deserve it. Come on, you know somebody who does not deserve the grace of God. Come on, I'm, I'm serious. you thought about it. You're like, and, and here, let me, let me prove it to you. Let me prove it. When's the last time you actually prayed for the salvation, the deliverance, or the freedom of our dear president? Right? And some of you are going, yeah, I do. Right? It's biblical to pray, right? But, the, but I don't see that popping up on YouTube. I don't actually see that as a trending, you know, real. Facebook or YouTube or any of your social medias, people praying for the salvation and the deliverance of Nancy Pelosi or Vice President Kamala, right? Now don't get me wrong, I don't got my head in the sand. They need freedom and deliverance and they need salvation. I am not one of those like, oh God bless them all, they need, they actually need deliverance, right? As many of our politicians do. Again, If you think we don't live in a very, very, very corrupt nation, you are already deceived. But what is our job? To pray for their deliverance and believe that the gospel still works. And would have, if I would see, and and, and it's probably on YouTube and I haven't seen it because it's not popular, right? But if a group of people would be getting together and they're declaring and praying for the salvation and deliverance and healing of these prominent figures in our culture. You know, I wonder if that would trend. People are like, they don't deserve that. Oh, good point. Am Am I picking on you too much? I'm just as convicted as you. Is that okay? This is stuff that God's speaking to me. If he's speaking it to me, speaking it to you, speaking it to all of us. How we believe God sees us is typically how then we see others and treat others. Amen. Let me let me just give some scripture verses to what I believe God is saying. And then I want to go into the nature of God. Let's look at Luke 9. And this is where it comes from. Luke 9, it's starting at 52. And he sent messengers ahead of him, Jesus, who went and entered a village of the Samaritans to make preparations for him. But the people did not receive him. Because his face was set toward Jerusalem and they just didn't want to welcome him into their their village. And when his disciples, James and John, saw it, they said, Lord, do you want us to tell fire to come down from heaven and consume them? (laughs) I think some of these disciples were called sons of thunder. Amen. But he turned and rebuked them. And then some manuscripts add this, and in some manuscripts, not in others, but for this message, I'm going to read what some manuscripts say. And it says, And he said, You do not know what manner of spirit you are. For the Son of Man came not to destroy people's lives, but to save them. Can I get a good amen? Somebody. Because I was reminded of that again today, where. I don't know about you, but there's some Christians that I don't want to be associated with anymore. <laughs> Is that okay? They don't really represent the nature of God. And they're railing against the culture, and they have very little influence to change a culture. Jesus didn't come to rail against the culture, he came and just changed it. He came and influenced one by one by one, and city by city, and town by town, until the culture just started changing and changing almost overnight. And I'm, going to read, I'm going to read Jonah, because jo, again, Jonah, yeah, he, he was afraid of these sinful people before he went to Nineveh. God said, go to Nineveh, preach the gospel, right? Tell them to repent so that I can save this place, so I can save these people, right? Now, he was afraid of these people because they were wicked. Now, that part is true. Here's the, here's the, the reason he didn't want to go is because they did, he did not see these people as deserving of God's grace, he did not see these people as deserving of God's love. Wicked, atrocious people, done all manner of evil, all manner of wickedness. He, they might even behead him. They might even imprison him. They might even hurt his family. Did not think that these people were deserving. And here's why he was mad. After he went and he did preach the gospel, right? he got thrown into the belly of a whale, right? Washed up on dry ground. Finally, I'm going to Nineveh. I'm going to obey you, Lord. And he preached the gospel. Repent from your wicked ways. God's going to heal you guys. God's going to forgive you. And God did. And they did. Right? They were reconciled. They said they repented so vehemently that even the, even the animals were wearing like sackcloth and ashes. I don't know what that, you know, even the animals were like stopped eating for a while or something like that. It's like, wow, that's really like true fasting. <laughs> you don't even feed your animals. But anyway, <laughs> anyway, it was like serious, serious turning from their wicked ways. And here's what made Jonah mad. Even when that happened, he wasn't a happy prophet. And this is what I mean by the rebellious prophets, because even, even after that happened, he was not okay with God. And he say, Jonah prayed to the Lord after all that, and he said, Our oh, Lord, was not this what I said when I was still in my country? And therefore, I fled previously to Tarshish. Why? For I know that you are a gracious and a merciful God. You're slow to anger. And you're abundant in loving kindness. And you're one who relents from doing harm. And I just don't like that about you, God. We like that for, for we. Like, thank you, God, for your grace and mercy. And then someone crosses your mind that just made you mad on CNN, or ABC, or Fox, and you go, these people don't deserve God's grace and loving kindness. Where's God's judgment? Where is God's justice, right? And we turn and join the band of rebellious prophets with an attitude and a chip on our shoulders. Is there someone on the face of this earth, is there someone that God created that doesn't deserve God's grace and mercy? How about everyone? Every single one of y'all, every single one of me, <laughs> every single one of them is not deserving. That's why it's God, grace is called his unmerited favor, right? Undeserved and unmerited favor, meaning we, it's not, we're not able to earn it. Let me go into five concepts of, to consider God's nature. And I just let it, let it work on your heart today um, as it's working on mine. Let it work in your heart. Is God angry or is he gracious? That's the question that we're asking. I have five concepts to share with you as we look at God's nature. Why does this matter again? I want to drive this home. It matters because the way that we see God is the way we treat others. Or more importantly, the way that we believe that God views us is it to, totally determines how we impact culture, right? And how we treat other people around us and the, the bandwagons that, that we jump onto. So by the way, by the way, this, this first point, I wanna give you the reference here or, or the concept where I got some of this from. There's a really good book that I'm recommending. It's called The Misunderstood God. It's written by a guy named Darren Hufford. I think it's a 2003 version of the book. Darren Hufford, the last name is spelled H-U-F-F. O-R-D. I'd love to resource you with that. It's called The Lies Religion Tells About God. So look up The Misunderstood God on Amazon or wherever you buy books. I would really recommend that. But concept number one is this. God is love. Somebody say is. So, so there, there's this thing in culture where it's like if God is love, then when we talk about love, it seems like this obscure kind of thing over here. As if we're talking about love right now. And when talking about love, we're not necessarily connecting it to, to God. Does that make sense? And, and so it, it seems to be very easy to sort of separate in our culture. But God said he is love, right, out of 1 John 4.8. Let, let's, let's read Micah 7.18 as well. Who is a God like you? The, the prophet Micah declared, pardoning iniquity and passing over transgression for the remnant of his inheritance. He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in steadfast love. Somebody say steadfast. That is his nature. And then right over to 1 John 4, 8, the, the very common one that said, God is Love. Let's drive that home today. If God is love, this is what I want to point out that that Hufford helped me to understand when I read that book. If God is love, then these verses in 1 Corinthians are actually describing him. We can insert God's name into the love chapter of Corinthians, right? In all the places that it talks about love. And it's not talking about like an obscure thing. It's actually talking about our father, God. And so it'll read like this. 1 Corinthians 13, starting at 4. Love is patient and kind. I'm going to say God is patient and kind. God does not envy or boast, is not arrogant or rude. God does not insist on its own way. That's why he gives people choices, right? You still have a choice. God is not irritable or resentful. The love is not something and then God's something else. If God is love, then this is describing God. Are you with me today? It is not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. God bears all things, believes all things, and hopes all things, and endures all things. God bears all things, believes all things. Another translation would say God believes the very best so when it says believes all things, is what, it, what it actually says. And I think that's a better translation hopes all things, and endures all things. I'm going to go right from there to Galatians, because five Galatians 5, and 23, this is where you get the fruits of the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. Come on, some of you memorize this. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control, right? In, in the same manner, what Spirit, like the Spirit, the fruits of the Spirit, what Spirit is, it's the Spirit of God Himself, The spirit of Father God, the spirit of Jesus Christ, right? It's not, oh, there's fruits of the spirit over here. God himself and his nature is over here somewhere. No, it's actually, that is his nature, right? So you can read it, the fruits of the spirit is love, joy, peace, and you can read it the same way. Father God is love, is joy, is peace, and patience, and so forth, and so on. Somebody say, God is love. Concept number two, Jesus is God. Again, say is. Because if that isn't driven home in your spirit, there's still a detachment going on where we go, God in his nature, scary as it may be, or kind as it may be, however you, however you were taught, is over here somewhere. Jesus, oh, whole nother character altogether, right? Whole other whole person, But John 14, 9, Jesus said to him, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. Amen, somebody? It was God's plan. You know, it it dawned on me, I I was probably a Christian for a good 10 years before it really dawned on me that it was actually God's idea to reconcile us back to himself through Jesus Christ. And, And many of us have been taught and maybe it was even subconsciously, maybe not even on purpose, that it was, that it was, you know, God's wrath. But then Jesus came as almost like the, the good cop, bad cop scenario, right? <laughs> to save us from the wrath of God, right? And we haven't allowed scripture to interpret scripture to interpret scripture. And then we get this idea that it was like bad cop, good cop. And Jesus saved us from something. Actually, Jesus saved us to something and reconciled us back to father God because it was his idea in the first place God so loved the world. Amen, somebody? Colossians 1:19 and 20. For in him, in Jesus, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. The fullness of God was pleased to dwell in Jesus Christ, right? And through him, Jesus, to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross. And here's John three sixteen. I hope this is real common for you as well. For God so loved the world. Well, Jesus loved the world. That's why he came. No, God loved the world. And it was his plan and his idea then to partner with Jesus Christ and say, here's my son. He's going to reconcile all of you, all mankind, back to himself. Amen, somebody? That whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Here's one more for you. Romans 5, 8 and 9. But God shows his love for us. No, God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. <clears throat> and they were together in on it. Amen, somebody? There's a partnership. You still good? Concept number three. This is where we'll talk about God's hate, because God does hate wickedness. And he is angry toward sin and wickedness. I knew God was angry. <laughs> okay, you can be justified now. <laughs> no, listen, God loves people, right? And so we just, we, just, we just proved, and there's many, many scriptures that we could share, that God loves people. Throughout scripture, you can see that God clearly loves people like crazy. He's gracious, compassionate, long-suffering, all that. However, God is not okay with the devil and the wickedness, and he doesn't have to be kind toward the devil. God is love does not mean he is kind toward evil and toward the devil himself. He doesn't have to treat him kindly. Of, he knows who his enemy is, right? And Jesus wasn't that kind either toward his actual enemies, and so except that he died for them. If they were people, he died for them as well um, because he, they, if they were people, then they could still be saved, but he was not, he was not like... Um, how should just say, gentlemanly towards Satan, <laughs> just because he was a God of love. Does that make sense? Treat Satan with loving kindness and tender mercy. Nope, not anymore. His time is gone. Um, I'm going to read Romans 1, and I'm going to read 18 to 32, and I'm going to point out some things throughout here, but I want you to hear this. <clears throat> it's a little bit of a long passage, so uh, close your eyes if you need to. Let it wash over you. Follow along on the screen. I don't know if Mike, uh, Mike put the whole thing on the screen. This is a bit much, but thank you, Mike. Uh, Romans 1, 18, Listen, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men or women who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made and so they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal men and birds and animals and creeping things and this talk about all the idols. Therefore God gave them up Somebody say, gave them up. It was important to, for you to see what God is like. Therefore, he gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity and to the, the, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and they worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. And amen. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For their women exchanged natural relationships for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relationships with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. Sounds like the U.S. of A. Not just the Roman culture, doesn't it? And since they did not fit, and since they did not see fit to acknowledge God... God gave them up, again it says, gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. And they were filled with all manner of unrighteousness and evil and covetousness and malice. And they were full of envy, murder, strife and deceit and maliciousness and their gossips and their slanderers and their haters of God. Insolent and haughty and boastful. Take a deep breath. Inventors, inventors, I'm sorry, Inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, and ruthless. Can we keep going? Though they know God's righteous degree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but they give approval to those who practice them. Not only those who are doing it, but giving approval to those who do. Take a deep breath. That's heavy stuff. Right? Is God mad? He is. He's absolutely furious and angry at the devil. He's absolutely furious and, and, if I would have to say, nauseated when sin. By the way, sin means missing the mark. If this is, this is God's holiness right here, this is God's standard, sin means something that falls outside of that. We could talk thousands upon thousands of ways to do that, right? And he just talked about some, probably. There's many, many creative ways for people to fall outside, you know, God, God's perfect, perfect ways, right? But then he says, <clears throat> then he says, uh, I'm angry, and God's wrath is toward the the evil of men, basically, and the of righteousness that men behave in. So I I wanna sort of sum it up for you. God's true enemy that we must remember is not people because that would be contradictory to scripture. His actual true enemy is Satan, a.k.a. Lucifer, right? The one who was in heaven and then rebelled against. You You can read some of that in the book of Revelation. Satan rebelled against God. He took a third of the the angels with him, and fallen angels. You can also read that in Isaiah 14. And he was cast out of heaven. He became what's called the father of lies, right? The enemy, the evil one. And is forever and, and ever an enemy of God. Um, by the way, did you know that Satan can only lie? Everything he says is a distortion and a lie. And to this day, deception is our main, um, is, 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 the way that he, is the way that he attacks most people is through deception. Okay, that's a different sermon altogether. Now, now we're in a scenario where we choose. We get to choose between our creator, our father, or the deceiver, a.k.a. Satan. Who will we follow Or who will we believe? Amen? And so listen to this. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, according to Ephesians 6.12. And neither does God. No, he's actually talking about us. And he's actually saying who his real enemy is as well. Is the spirits that are in heavenly places. His battle is against the evil one, not against men And women. So listen, this is what he's like. He fights for people, but against the devil. He fights to rescue people from his actual enemy. If he saw you and I as his actual enemy, why would he rescue us from the enemy? Because, right? So, so it wouldn't make sense. It's a house divided against itself, cannot stand. You're, you know, you're coming to rescue your enemies, right? So he doesn't see us. He doesn't see people as his enemies. Then why do I sometimes? <laughs> right? Why, why do we? A house divided itself. In Matthew 12, 25, says a house divided itself, it cannot stand. And Jesus didn't come to save people from an angry God. He came to restore people back to the Father and away from an angry devil. And it gets really twisted in our culture. Um, I, wanna, I wanna say this before I move on. Hell was not created for Satan. Did you ever realize that? Did you ever read that verse? Not for people. Doesn't mean that people can't go there. You can go there if you wanna go there, but it wasn't created for you. Uh, in Matthew 25, 41, he says, Then he'll say to those on his left, as at the end of time, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Right there it is. People go there because of a choice to follow Satan as their God, right? But that's not why he created a place. By the way, hell, in its simplest form, we, can, we could preach more about that if we needed to, and we might sometime. But hell is simply separation from God. So whatever God is in hell, it's not, <laughs> right? It's the absence of everything holy, the absence of everything good. Um, God's presence is simply not there, right? So, so I wanna say this very carefully as I wrap this up and move on. I hope I've just said enough to get you thinking today. I wanna say it like this. People that intentionally partner and align with the evil one can expect then to experience God's wrath or God's anger that does exist toward Satan. Why are you, why am I, why is anybody partnering with that and not expecting to feel the anger of God? Well, God is angry. Well, well then, number one, whose team are you on, right? And so, and so you know, you just have to, to tell those people that, right? And so, that, that may be an indication, you know, that they're experiencing some of that. And, and, but because God is, is not okay with his enemy, and he's not supposed to be okay with his enemy, you know, God isn't worked up. He, he knows the end of the story. He wrote it, right? He knows the book of Revelation. He knows how it all ends up. He knows that he's already victorious, right? And so I'm not, I'm not saying that he's all like, you know, sitting up there, you know, losing sleep, if God sleeps at all. Of course he doesn't, you know, as if, as if he's worried about what Satan will do next. No, he knows the end of the story, but he also knows who his true enemy is. And it's, and it's on our, it behooves us, right? to not partner or get on the wrong team. Number four, concept number four. Um, Not all hardships you experience are because of God's wrath. Can I get a quick amen? (laughs) And so, y'all met those people. (laughs) That car broke down, God's mad at me. Washer and dryer broke the same week, God's really mad at me. Must be something I did or didn't do. Probably forgot something that I was supposed to do. Probably didn't memorize the whole book of Psalms. <laughs> I know people like that. You know where, where a hardship happens, right? Uh, because life happens, and a hardship does does happen. And and um, and you know, unless it is you partnering with the evil one in some way, right? That's another story. But no, I'm just talking about life right now. Uh, not all hardship, is because God is just so ticked off that he's just ready to like, punish you for everything you did or didn't do. Galatians 6, 7 does say this, though. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. You know, and if you decided not to pay your cell phone bill and your cell phone is shut off, it's not God's fault, <laughs> right? You know, and so <laughs> I'm just saying, sin sometimes, so I'm, I'm moving on, but sin is its own punishment. And so we live in what's called uh, the dispensation of grace. And I really love how Pastor Ray uh, taught the various eras and seasons that we've been through in the church seasons, right? And so the dispensation, as it's called, the era of grace that we're under. Um, And I want to refer back to how I pointed out when I was reading through that long uh, chapter, if you will, in Romans. He, God, gave them over. Meaning sin itself is now its own punishment. He's like, you want to do life your way. You want to do what it is you think is best. Basically, you want to be your God. You know, you want to lead yourself. There you go. Let me know how that works for you. So, because God's not a controller. He actually isn't a God that says, "I'm going to smack him around." You know, did that work in the Old Testament? It actually, didn't work, did it? Punish, they crawl back out of the hole. I'm sorry, God. A couple hundred years go by. They're erecting more idols, right? Smacks them around, swallows some of them up with dirt, smacks around a bit. You know, oh my God, we, we repent, we repent, we repent. A you know, hundred years later, they're worse than they ever were. Does it work? Or, or is it really his kindness that leads to repentance? Come on, I'm just asking you to think today. <laughs> okay, okay. Sin, then, in this era that we live in, is its own punishment. Because there's choices, and so the sowing and reaping is still in effect. You can't get rid of it. You can't get rid of gravity, and you can't get rid of sowing and reaping effects. And so when people are like, yeah, you know, I did this, and I decided to go break into that house, and I decided to take some stuff that I thought belonged to me because I deserve it, and I'm working hard, but not have everything that my neighbor has, and you're in jail. I'm sorry, buddy. That is not God's wrath. That is sin, its own punishment. I hope you stay there for a while until you realize that it's your behavior that is getting you into that mess. You decide to put something into your body. You decide to look at something that you shouldn't look at on the internet. You decided, come on somebody, take responsibility. You decided to say something that was not godly to a friend of yours or to somebody that you were just ticked off at. You decided and you decided and those things have their own reward and it isn't God up there going, I'm trying to figure out what punishment belongs with that one. I mean, they said it harshly, but not as harshly as her. <laughs> little more punishment for her, a little less for him. It's, it'll have its own reward. And it, and it comes to bear because sowing and reaping happens all the time. And then we go, oh, I wonder if just God's a little irritated. I wonder, you know, what's happening here. So anyway that's still in effect, and it's not God's fault. Some people reject God's plan altogether, partner with the evil one in some way, jump into the wrong stream of thinking, the wrong stream of behavior, but blame God for the chaos and destruction that they're drowning in. And that too is in our culture, and you and I have seen that all around. We live in a fallen world. We've got broken people. We got their choices. And then, and then, unfortunately, we experience the results of mankind's good decisions and his bad decisions while we're here on this planet with all of them. I wish it weren't that way all the time. I'd like to just be responsible for my own behavior, not the behavior of everyone else around me. Right. But we are affected by it. Or let me just put, take this into effect. Not every, not every bad thing that happens, you know, is the wrath of God. That's what I'm talking about. But sometimes there is persecution for those, from those who are in the opposite camp. There's enemies of truth. And Jesus had some enemies when they crucified him. But the disciples had enemies, right? They were, they were hated. Some were thrown in jail. Most of them were eventually killed for their faith. But there is legit persecution from the enemies uh, who are in the opposite camp of truth. Um, but let me just read John 16:33. Jesus said this. I've said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you'll have tribulation." but take heart. It follows you. You have to read the whole verse to stay encouraged, all right? In the world, you're going to have tribulation. Suddenly, your heart goes, oh, seriously? When can we get out of this world? Give me a country gospel song that talks about, you know, the rapture. Um, But take heart. I have overcome the world, Jesus said. Isn't that good news, somebody? And then finally, number five. Let's go to number five. Is there an Old Testament God Who's different from the New Testament God? Come on, you thought that at one point. You read a story and went, oh wow, I cannot believe I just read that. If they made this into a movie, I certainly wouldn't have been allowed to watch it as a kid. Um, no, there, there is one God. Ephesians 4, 5, and 6 says this. There's one Lord and one faith and one baptism. Somebody say one. One God and father of us all who is over all and through all and in all, and man, I love that verse, because it's really saying that God has got it all wrapped up, and he hasn't changed, and he is the same God yesterday, today, and forever, and that's another scripture it could have used. But there are seasons, and there are, again, back to Pastor Ray's message last week. By the way, if you haven't gotten that one, it's on uh, www.mygracechurch.com. You can find it on YouTube or on Facebook Live. I would actually listen to that because it's a good foundation to what we're talking about today. But there are seasons and dispensations, as he used that word. Or another way to say it is there's different covenants that we're living under, right? Old covenant and new covenant. Thank, are you thankful for it, that you're living under the new covenant? wow, what a change, right? So we can read all this stuff, but we are on this side of the cross looking back at the finished work of the cross, but we're under now a new covenant and a new era, but it's the same God. It's the same God, but under a new covenant. So he sticks by his word. It was his word then, but then his, he was very clear and when it changed, he's like, now we're under a new covenant. Let me read Romans 9 to you. 22 to 25, what if God, let to make you think a little bit about the Old Testament God, what if God, although choosing to show his wrath and make his power known, bore with great patience the objects of his wrath prepared for destruction? What if he did this to make the riches of his glory known to the objects of his mercy, whom he prepared in advance for glory, even us? whom he also called, not only from the Jews, but also from the Gentiles. As he says in Hosea, I will call them my people who are not my people, and I will call her my loved one who are not my loved one. Now I'm going to just ask some, a few more questions because that's how Paul is writing in the book of Romans. I'm just going to stay in that vein and keep going just like, what if we see God, what if we see the wrath of God, the anger of God in the Old Testament through a lens of protecting the rest of his creation from destruction. Did you hear that? What if, now he he talks, he's writing like this. What if God, right, was looking to show mercy toward his objects of mercy? What if we see the wrath of God in the Old Testament through the lens of protecting the rest of his creation from complete annihilation and destruction? Yeah, well, there's places in the Old Testament where they just wiped out towns, cultures, Villages, one after the next. Tainted cultures, corrupt cultures, wicked cultures. What if, let me keep going. What if his decision to wipe out some people in the Old Testament prevented further mass destruction, further abuse, slavery, idol worship, idol sacrifices of humans, babies, the victimization of women, slavery, evil. Is he still unjust? just a question. (laughs) We want him to be just. We want him to protect. We want him to defend. And we want him even to prevent evil. But if and when he does, then we call him angry, unloving, and ungracious. Perhaps. I'm saying that with a smile. Sorry for not smiling. (laughs) Right? Because I've done that. And almost like stood in judgment, like, what kind of manner of God is this, right? So I just have a few things for you to think about. Um, I I was just thinking about some of the gods that they worshiped, and I saw something on YouTube just in the last couple months where where it really drove home how some of these nations and the nations that the Israelites were told to destroy. But when they worshiped the god of Moloch and the god of Baal, they worshiped him by sacrificing their babies alive, burned their babies alive on the outstretched arms of the god or some sort of container. But sometimes it was on the outstretched arms of, of the stone god, right, which was actually a spiritual entity in, in the heavenlies, right, that they were actually worshiping. The stone was just a, a practical way for them to get in touch with something. And as, and, and they would chant and, and, and pray to their God louder and louder, loud enough so they could not hear the babies crying and screaming while they burned them alive one after the next. Day after day after day to appease their God. Because they were afraid that this God would destroy them if they didn't appease him. Is God just? Now these are people that God would have wanted to turn from their wicked ways. And how many years did he often wait? I I want to say this before I quickly move on. Sometimes he waited hundreds and hundreds of years to see if they could repent and turn and repent and turn. He he was so long. If you actually read the Old Testament in in context and and study a little bit about how long he waited, I'm like, I wouldn't have waited about a week. There's no way. That's because I'm not God. (laughs) No. A final concept for you. Those he decided to wipe out were also his creation. Imagine, imagine quickly. Now, I said before publicly, I'm not, really, I'm not really gonna hide this, but I own a gun and I, I believe in self-protection. And if something came at me and my family in the night or tried to break into my house, um, I would give my life and stand in front of a leash. I'll stand in front of any of my kids and I'll take the first hit, you know. Uh, I don't have a problem. With that, um, I don't have a lot of training, so I'm not one to lead the security team necessarily. I just believe in self-protection. Thank you, Lord, Second Amendment. I think it's there for that, to protect yourself against evil, okay? That's why, it's all. and I don't need a lot to do that. I don't need 10 guns, I just need one, okay? (laughs) Or or teach me Taekwondo, something. (laughs) But I believe in self-protection, right? Now imagine I wake up in the middle of the night and somebody is breaking into my house to kill my family, But it's one of my other kids breaking into my house to kill my other kids. That's what God feels. And so his task is not easy, (laughs) it's all his creation. And he's like, I cannot believe brother so and so over here wants to worship the God of Baal, the God of Molech, is trying to annihilate the Israelites. My precious kids over here, all of them were his creations. Does that make sense? And I'm only saying this, not to say I have all the answers or understand God perfectly, but that we stop and pause and go, can we stop judging God's nature? Believe that he is a just God, and he is filled with loving kindness and tender mercy, and he knows what he's doing. Amen, somebody? do we just give you a few things to think about? Yes. Amen. Let's revisit how we view God. That's what I'm trying to do today. Let's break off every lie. Amen, somebody? Let's allow scripture to interpret scripture and interpret more scripture and let's see a full and complete view of God's nature. Is that okay? I want to read a final scripture. It's it's from Ephesians 2, 1 to 7. Let's rejoice in this. And Paul writes it like this. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins. Sorry, let me clear my throat and start over. Being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. And he raised us up with him and he seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Can I get a solid amen? Amen. Let's celebrate today. Would you all stand with me? Let's celebrate the dispensation of grace that we're so blessed to be living in and under today. We celebrate the ready access that he has provided for us, that we can come boldly before the throne of grace to find help in time of need and a father whose nature is to welcome us and to love us and to go out of his way to make sure that we're reconciled back to him and are living in his house. Amen, somebody? I'm wondering today before we move on, if anyone is wondering if they are a child of God, because Father God loves you so much. I'm going to say he actually just loves you like crazy, that he wants everyone to be reconciled to him declaring Jesus to be the ultimate sacrifice for sin. He simply calls us then to repentance. That means a change of mind, a change of heart, to accept his forgiveness and then to follow him. Have you made this decision? That's what I want to make sure before. I don't want you leaving this place not knowing. I don't want you driving home. I don't even want you driving to lunch not knowing. If you made that decision to say Jesus Christ is Lord and I am reconciled to Father God and his nature is now in me in the person of the Holy Spirit. Every eye closed for just a moment. This is just to give people some personal space, a little bit of time to think about it. If you're here today saying I really want to make sure that Jesus Christ is Lord, we'd love if you would raise your hand in the air and say that's me and we will simply pray with you. That's what we're going to do together. Raise your hand high in the air if you're saying, I want to declare Jesus Christ as my Lord for the first time. I'm not sure that I've done that. I see one. God bless you. God bless you. So, so proud of you. Anybody else, anybody online that's joining us today, type it in there and say, Jesus Christ is Lord. You can put your hands down. Thank you so much. I'm wondering if anyone's here today that would just like to say this and just admit, you know what, I wanna go on a journey to rediscover the heart and the true nature of God today. Would you raise your hand? Would you boldly raise your hand if that's you to say, I would like to rediscover God's nature for me today, many of you, many of you everywhere. Yeah, me too, I'm raising my hand too. Like, teach me, Lord. I don't want to be swayed by culture. I want to be swayed by your word. Come on, somebody. If that's you, I'm going, I don't want to be taught by YouTube. (laughs) I don't want to be taught by what's a popular reel. I want to be taught by the Holy Scriptures. I'm going to be taught by the nature of God and the power of the Holy Spirit who leads and guides me into all truth. Thank you so much. Hey, first we're going to pray for the the prayer of salvation. And then I'm going to pray for all of us that are raising our hands to saying, God, I want to know your true nature today. Can we do that? Let's all pray together. Say, Father God, thank you for sending Jesus to pay for my sins. I repent of all my sins and I receive your forgiveness. Lord Jesus, I declare that you are Lord and you're my savior. Holy Spirit, fill me completely. Lead and guide me into all truth. Now let's pray the additional prayer. Father, I open my heart to you today. I receive a fresh understanding of your deep and powerful love. I reject lies about your nature and I believe the truth about you, that you are patient, you are kind, and long-suffering, full of compassion, grace, and mercy. I trust in you. Help me to see you clearly. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen and amen and amen. Let's applaud those who said yes to Jesus. So thankful for you.